Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Isaac. My name is Brian. And today we're going to talk about something oh so exciting, something oh so fun. We're going to talk about the one, the only, or the many actually I should say, super weapons in the Universal Century. Oh my, super weapons, something near and dear to Isaac's heart. You know what? <laughs> Super weapons really raise the stakes. They almost always show up near the end of each season, and they're pretty awesome. So why not have an episode about the super weapons that almost always get destroyed by the Gundam or <laughs> somehow involve the Gundam being heroic? Yeah, I, I will say, as long as I've known Isaac, no matter what series he gets into, he always <laughs> learns everything there is to know about the super weapons in that series, whether it's Gundam, <laughs> Star Wars, you know, Star Trek, whatever, <laughs> whatever series it is. He loves those super weapons. So he's been looking forward to this episode for a very long time. It's pretty awesome. And you know what? Gundam has a lot of super weapons. We're just going to talk about UC today, but man, across all Gundam series, there are tons of super weapons. So many. So, so many. So uh, how do you think we should do this? Should we go in any sort of order or what do you I think? I almost feel like, yeah, I almost feel like we should just go across the timeline in the UC. So from the first super weapon onwards. All right. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? I would say the very first super weapon in Gundam, Universal Century, Molesu Gundam 079, it would be a colony drop, right? I mean, that kicks the ball rolling, you know? Absolutely. It would be Operation British, the first one, go. dropped on, uh, or I'll say accidentally dropped on Sydney. They were <laughs> <laughs> they were maybe aiming for something else. They were aiming for job rope, but it uh, broke up and missed a little bit. Yeah, I still can't believe it took out half the world's population. Like, that seems so high. I thought maybe a quarter at, at tops, but then again, what do I know about the, the orbital mechanics, I guess, of an object that size falling at... A certain speed and hitting Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want more more information about Colony Drops, we have a whole episode about Colony Drops. Uh, yeah. And we have a whole episode about Gundam The Origin, where Operation British was shown in, in full effect. So if you want to see Operation yeah. British, go watch Gundam The Origin. Tragic effect, I should say. Goodness. <laughs> Goodness, that was, that was quite the little mini side story within a side story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, the space colony in general... As well as, we'll, we'll, I guess we would have to include asteroids in this. Yeah, um, drop, drop so the, operations. The colony, yeah, so the colony slash asteroid drop maneuver is definitely probably the marquee, the number one super weapon in the Universal Century. And as we discussed in the colony drop episode, the first one was Operation British, where Zeon dropped a colony on, they were aiming for Jabberow, but they hit mainly Sydney, kind of just wiped it off the map. Two other pieces of the colony also hit it rained down across uh, North America. And I think the uh, Indian Ocean, right? Or one of the oceans? You know what? So much of Southeast Asia was devastated. <laughs> I'd be surprised if anybody really kept track of what <laughs> fell outside of Sydney. It, it was probably just a maelstrom of, of just devastation. How could you observe anything? God, a colony falling might even take out some satellites, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, whatever was yeah. in... Not only would it take out the satellites coming, like, you know, just whatever was in its way... But it yeah. probably affects a lot of their orbits yeah. when it's coming in. probably screws them all up and throws them into a tailspin. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, most satellites get screwed up by a colony drop. 
I hope the uh, universal yeah. century doesn't depend on satellites <laughs> like we do. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> At least well, to an extent, because like we see some. Oh, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Maybe it's just maybe, a weapon. Maybe Minovsky particles solve that too, like they solve everything else. That's true. God, Minovsky particles do anything you want. Like they can dissipate beam weapons. They can help your engines. They can shield you. They can. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're also giving you power from the reactor drain. <laughs> oh yeah, they make your beam weapons. They deflect your beam weapons. Like, you know, Minowski, like he he had no no time off. He was just <laughs> constantly cranking out like technology, and he he wanted to make sure everybody knew that he was the one that made it too. That's right. Minowski particle. <laughs> Minowski ice cream. <laughs> I wonder if he had a logo. Just like, like a little M. Yeah, like a little M. Yeah, just a red M. <laughs> Uh, what, what was the next colony drop, Isaac? After 0079, yeah. It was 0083, which is Operation Stardust. That's when the Delaz fleet hijacked a colony, made it look like they are going to drop it on the moon. <laughs> then they had their accomplices on the moon power up the colony using like an energy transfer laser. And then they flew it to Earth and then um, just dropped it on Earth. <laughs> but, but where did they drop it, Isaac? Because they didn't drop it on Jabra. No. For God knows why... They dropped it on North America in order to disrupt the Earth's food production capabilities. Oh, you know, if you can't eat that corn, I, I guess, guess. <laughs> I guess that's it. What is the what is the Earth sphere gonna do without the Midwest corn supply? <laughs> what are they gonna do without Idaho potatoes? Mm, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna starve to death. We'll have to rely on Bolivian <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> and for more about that. About why maybe they chose to put it on North America. Again, feel free to listen to our colony drop episode. There was one a small colony drop after that in Zeta Gundam on the moon, um, but that one's pretty inconsequential. The next major one was in Double Zeta, uh, where Haman dropped a colony on Dublin. And, and may I just add that is the worst colony drop also in the Gundam series because it doesn't really explode or impact with much force. It's it's almost a colony landing. <laughs> a forceful a forceful landing yeah my belief as i've said before is that the federation had advanced their colony engineering by that point to, to such a level where the colony would stay intact even if you drop <laughs> i think isaac is giving the federation too much credit i think this is probably just the animators wanting to draw a colony sticking out of the earth instead of one blowing up it makes no sense. There's <laughs> no way a colony can support its own weight like that. They're designed to be in space. <laughs> 100% agree with you. It should have should have fell over. Fell over. It should have burned through the sky <laughs> and then collapsed and like, you know, detonated into with with the force of a thousand suns. <laughs> yeah, there should be no, no northern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then also in this category, like I said, we would be including asteroids. So in charge counterattack. There was one asteroid dropped fifth Luna on Tibet, poor Tibet, <clears throat> wiped off the face of the planet. That's how that well. movie kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just such like an afterthought, like, oh, that shard dropping an asteroid. Here's the movie. Here's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> In case we weren't clear as to who the bad guy was. Uh, those Tibetans can't catch a break. Like, they're under the boot of China, and then now they're getting colonies dropped on them <laughs> centuries <Yeah>. later. <laughs> And because of that, we're going to get banned in China, this podcast. I know. Oh, God. We're way gonna way to go, out. Isaac. I know. We're yeah. going to be told to like, well, <laughs> we know you guys are really excited for Mulan, but unfortunately, <laughs> you made the wrong comment. 
<laughs> so since we have a full episode about colony drops, I think we'll move on to the next super weapon. What do you think? Yeah. And, you know, just to cover the final drop before, you know, some stickler jumps in the comments. Yes, we know there was an attempted second asteroid drop at the end of Shar's counterattack. But you know what? It wasn't successful. And we already talked about dropping asteroids. And it was stopped by magic, space magic. That's right. Let me ask you a side question, Brian, before we transition over. Sure. Do you think nuclear weapons count as super weapons or no? Because they're just almost blasé. <laughs> yeah, I considered whether we should just, I guess maybe we'll say it now. We're, we're not including nuclear weapons here because we have those in our world. So that's really not that interesting to talk about, yeah. in my opinion. Going um, off that logic, should we not include chemical weapons like the gas that was used to uh you know gas colonists yeah i wouldn't include that either but yeah. those are definitely super weapons with respect to the real world our universe right yeah um but the universal century super weapons are unique and interesting because of you know because nuclear weapons and biological weapons chemical weapons were were banned by the antarctic treaty in the universal century instead of just using those weapons that we know about we get different things like colony drops and colony lasers and etc yeah well with that as our cue let's move on to the next weapon we see somewhat chronologically in 0079 i'm gonna say it's the solar system brian it is the solar system yeah so this was a weapon built by the earth federation it is essentially an array of millions of mirrors that can focus heat on a target and just kind of burn it you know, burn it down. And the Federation deployed this at the Battle of Solomon, and they focused those mirrors on Solomon to destroy its primary gate so that Xeon could not, basically, they could not launch their defenses. And uh, as a result, they lost terribly, which was, they, they probably would have lost anyway, but, you know, <laughs> not being able to send out your troops, not a good thing in war. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, oh. How has this not been made? How has there not been like a side story OVA where they 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 talk about like the making of the solar system? Because it you know it must have been in production for a while before they send it up to Solomon, right? I'm sure it was at some secret part of the Earth sphere. Oh, I would assume a good idea. <laughs> I would assume so. I mean, the the Gundam wiki it says that it's composed of four million mirrors. Which that's a lot of mirrors, right? So that takes a long time to make. The Gundam Century Guidebook, which I think was from like the 80s, just just says that there's millions of mirrors. So I don't know where someone got four million from, but regardless, millions of mirrors, and they're all you know very you know specialized. Um, I would assume that these mirrors are similar to the mirrors that we you know we make in our world for for telescopes, where they're you know very precise, and if you know the construction cannot be off by even a millimeter to where you know it screws everything up right so you're right I, I don't know if like there were just a bunch of federation like scientists floating up there working on this thing for months and maybe some like <laughs> zakus flew by and they were like hey don't don't look over here like don't don't mind like <laughs> it must have been All quite right. the odd sight here's my pitch All right they're working on this solar system project they don't know what it is operation attack Solomon's coming up they have a Gundam defending the project being researched out in I don't know they're, they're being researched somewhere and they have to fight against like this you know team of bad Zeon it's awesome oh. 
That sounds that sounds great. Yeah, maybe some like Zeon Strike team is is gathered to go, you know, take it out before they can finish it or fully deploy it or something like that. I love it. I would read it. The solar system was used on Solomon, but do you think the Federation like packed it up and brought it with them to Balaku? They just never deployed it. I mean, uh, why that's not? A good question. Maybe um. Those two battles occurred in very close proximity, only a few days apart. So maybe it was, um, oh, maybe they couldn't move it. You know, maybe they couldn't move it in time. What if, oh, what if it was with Revel? Oh yeah, it could be too. It was obviously wasn't set up because they had no idea they're going to be murdered at a peace negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Spoiler alert, everybody. <laughs> General Revel doesn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Neither does Degwin Zabi. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Why'd you say that? Why'd you got to go there? <laughs> hey, you took, you, Rebel. You, t- you took Rebel from me. I'm going to take Degwin from you. All right, you got me there. <laughs> we will mourn the loss of the great Degwin. <laughs> you know, I think the solar systems, it's a little underrated. It might have its best showing in 0083, where it has two awesome scenes. You see it first trying to melt the colony, and that doesn't work. <laughs> and then they set it up again, or they at least, you know, keep whatever remnants that are around to try to fry, like, the Zeon remnants. Yeah, this yeah. is what ends up taking out Gato, right, in his new zeal? Well, no, it, it's, at least it damages him. Yeah, he gets cooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kills most of his uh, co-pilots, but, yeah. <laughs> that's That might be the best showing of the solar system, because, like, just the way they... They animated it. It's a really, it it really makes sunlight horrifying to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, twenty twenty years certainly improves your animation for sure. Interesting that you you mentioned that he got cooked. So the the guidebook also says that the solar system turned the surface of Solomon to the temperature of the sun. May have been a little exaggeration there, but yikes, that's pretty hot. And I don't know enough about physics to know if you can concentrate millions of mirrors <laughs> to capture the sun's light and focus it upon a single point. Could could it theoretically reach close to the temperature of the sun? I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, that there there's certainly a, a point of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. Even if you get it to like a quarter of the temperature of the sun, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to result in about the same yeah. effect. <laughs> yeah, this is clearly Federation propaganda. <laughs> And the, the, one intimidate in, space noids. <laughs> the one in 0083 we should mention is it's actually a, a, a different solar system. It's much smaller than the original solar system. Hmm. The wiki says that that one is only composed of, I think, 400,000 uh, mirrors. So a little smaller, but maybe more maneuverable. Maybe that was maybe that was their, their goal. Well, that makes sense, right? Because they kind of threw it up in a hurry. Even though the whole conspiracy was that they knew this colony drop was coming, so theoretically they could have had a solar system the likes of which has not been seen. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe they, they were could have made it like It could have been so massive that it would have been such a propaganda win, but um, <laughs> those proto-Titans were just screwing up from day zero. <laughs> yeah, so that's an interesting point. I wonder what, what happened to the solar system. Did, well, was it destroyed? I, mean, I don't recall. The well, original they, one, they, I mean, with our, with our millions oh. of years. It was clearly retired or disassembled to an extent and then just upgraded into the solar system 2 we see in 0083. Could be, yeah. yeah. But you know what? Solar system, underrated. I always like seeing it, and it's fun to watch. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's a really cool like visual, right? Because it's one thing if and we'll get to the colony laser in a bit, but I just think it's a very interesting visual. Um, yeah, it's also pretty unique in terms of super weapons we see not just in Gundam, but almost in just sci-fi in general, anime in general. Because not to downplay a lot of super weapons, but okay, it's a big laser, right? Nine right. out of ten times yeah. when we hear about super weapon, it's going to be a big laser of some sort. The solar system, though, was something that's almost feels more real, almost more practical in real life. You know, we all know that you can, you know, reflect light off a mirror and blah, blah, blah. There's there's some precedent for it to an extent. Uh, the science makes sense, I assume. But, um, yeah, the, the solar system, I would actually like to see more, <laughs> right? Why, why can't we see more solar system, you know? Bring <laughs> well, a solar system three in any upcoming UC. <laughs> and I, we're here. We'll, we'll write your solar system... Uh, side story that it's I think just outlined. Solar Gundam. Oh, it's a Gundam <laughs> that like unfolds like its own little solar oh. system backpack. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. Apollo Maybe it's like, Gundam. Wow. Maybe it's powered by the solar system. Well, wait. They're going to boot up the the solar system and like point it at their own Gundam? <laughs> well, maybe, you know, maybe it's doubles is not only a focusing the heat, but it's also receiving it, right? So maybe in the meantime, it's like charging this Gundam. And you know what? In the side story, there'd be like a scientist that would like explain that, like maybe the mentor scientist or the love interest. They'd be like, oh, by the way, you know, this was originally a peaceful project, but then, you know, this war started. So instead of collecting energy, now, it, you know, turns it into a weapon. Yeah. See, it would be our own little Universal Century Gundam X. Why not? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah. Gundam X does look like it's, you know, getting solar power, even though it's technically yeah. just getting a laser from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, what's next? What's the big whammy? The big whammy. Well, I'd say maybe, I don't know if it's the biggest whammy, but maybe the marquee whammy, at least in 0079, is the solar ray, which is one of your favorites, I believe. (laughs) To an extent, it's a bittersweet, I must admit. I feel like there's almost a distinction that has to be made because it's, is it really a laser or is it more... Okay, if I'm remembering accurately, they have solar arrays, not a solar system, behind the colony, the collected energy, put it into the the colony itself, and then it shoots out that energy. So is that technically a laser, or is this more like just focused solar energy? Like, I'm not sure. I mean, they're just just focusing it into a laser. I mean, a laser just, yeah, I mean, just essentially a beam beam of, of, of light or radiation, yeah, so. Okay. So this weapon, we saw its full power, but at the same time, oh no, did we see its full power? He fired it early, right? So it he wasn't even at maximum power. Yep, yep, Giren's oh. blunder. Yeah, so I guess if we back up a little bit, the solar ray right. is the first iteration of a colony laser, which is basically a, a hollowed out space colony from the universal century. Imagine they took that colony and turned it into like a laser barrel like a like a, a giant laser gun and the the first one was created by Zeon uh, by Gear and Zabi in 0079 with the intention of firing it on the Earth Federation but what did he do instead Isaac instead desiring to keep the war going hopefully winning it Gearin fired the the weapon early he fired the solar ray prematurely at a 
secret peace negotiation between General Revel of the Earth Federation and his own father, Sovereign Daegwin Zabi of the Principality of Zeon. Killing them both, destroying both their fleets. Ironically, you know, part of Zeon's fleet was there. <laughs> so it was also <laughs> a big part of the Federation's fleet. And thereby, you know, shattering any opportunity at peace. Causing the war to go on towards the Battle of Abawaku, where Zeon was ultimately defeated. And how does that work out for Giren? Because not only did... <laughs> <laughs> Not only did he kill his dad, but that that got him killed, right? Yeah, in a surprise to no one, his sister did not like the idea of her father being murdered, so she <laughs> avenged her death by killing Giren <laughs> at the height of the battle. Very swiftly, I might add. Yeah. It was pretty much, oh, you killed dad? Okay, well, <laughs> and she basically just shot him in the head. You know what? I think if, if Giren still stayed alive, I'm not sure they could have... Snatch victory from the jaws of defeat anyways. What was to well, be done and, at that point? Well, maybe if his colony laser didn't burn out, <laughs> that he could he could have fired it at many more people and many more times. Because in the novel, he did not fire it early, and he wiped out pretty much everyone. And it worked the way it was intended wow. to work. So if he just waited, and he didn't blow his laser too quickly, <laughs> he... Uh, Maybe Zeon would have had a, a much better chance of at least extending the war by a significant amount of time. Wait a minute. So in the novel, he fires the weapon, takes out a lot of people, but still loses after firing the weapon? Uh, yes, that's correct. Wow. Well, I mean, he does get killed, but still. Well, well he wait. didn't kill Amuro Ray, so... Did he kill Daegwon? He basically wiped out everyone on the battlefield at Abawaku in a single shot. With the only people surviving, according to the wiki, were Shar, his squad, and the crew from the, the white base. That's crazy. He took out Zeon, then. <laughs> well, you know, he just uh, mopped It's a very Giren thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> scorched scorched yeah. space, I guess. Scorched Earth doesn't really work. Man. Well, the solar ray is but a precursor to, dare I say, a more powerful, more important weapon, Brian? Uh, the Grips Laser? Of course, the Grips Laser, which is fought over, <laughs> fought over in arguably a more important war, Zeta. <laughs> the Grips Laser was made by the Federation and the Titans, mainly mm-hmm. the Titans, in order to just really intimidate the colonies <laughs> because it can destroy any colony at any time, really. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are just those bad guys that, you know, they love to show you that they're sinister, right? They wear evil-looking uniforms. Um, they they build a better laser than their previous enemy had to just be like, look, now I have the laser. Yeah. And they, they did use it to destroy a colony inside, too. But then, uh, then what happened, Isaac? Then, well, they spark off, like, a three-way war that ultimately ends up in their defeat and they lose control of the colony laser. I think like it goes, it, it passes hands multiple times. <laughs> right? the, colony, right? the laser is eventually <laughs> captured by the Ayug. And yeah. if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure bright Noah aims the laser at the Titans and basically wipes them out with their own laser. Yeah. So yeah. you know what? Let this be a lesson to you. If you build a colony laser 
make sure that you have a robust system <laughs> for controlling who can shoot it. Yeah, I'm not sure how these things work, but in Gundam, a lot of the times it seems like if you get to a control room, you're you're automatically in control. You're it doesn't in. matter yeah, whatever keys you have or <laughs> keys, key what keys, key codes, keys, uh, passcode, who knows, biometrics. I don't know what's going on <laughs> in Gundam, but the moment you're in like the command center of like a colony, you can drop it at will. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so many problems in Gundam would be solved if Gundams just had better better keys or keys of any sort. Yeah, as you mentioned after uh, W3, like this whole plot could have been avoided if there were keys to GP2. <laughs> uh, but where would the fun in that be? Yeah, that's true. And knowing Xeon or Delaz at least, he would have figured out to like forge the key or, or something yeah, like that. Or that's probably there, there would have been like a, a Gundam lockpick. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the explanation. Maybe by this time, like you know, quantum computing is a thing, and just there is no, there's nothing that can't be cracked really quickly or something like that. I don't know. You know what? For W three, it actually doesn't matter because. Anaheim Electronics would have given Delaz whatever key he needed to keep the <laughs> plot going. <laughs> they were such good conspirators, you know, helping out along the way. So, key That's or no true. key, that gun was going to get hijacked. <laughs> so we had our first iteration of the Colony Laser, Solar Ray. Mm-hmm. Second iteration, the Grips Laser in Zeta. And then, so at, I believe at the end of the Zeta conflict, the Grips Laser was sort of damaged pretty heavily. But it turned out to be rebuilt at a later date into the most creative name ever, the Grips 2 laser <laughs> in Gundam Unicorn. Uh, they, they basically aimed it at Mineva and Industrial 7 of course. To, to destroy the, the colony builder thing as well as Laplace's box. What's a good Gundam series without a colony laser, you know? I, I feel like you just, you just need one. I can't one. believe they brought it back. <laughs> I understand visually it looks great, but variety is the spice of life. So perhaps we can develop some new weapons over at Sunrise. <laughs> right. I yeah. do think like like the first the solar ray I thought was that was great. The solar ray is essentially Gundam's Death Star, right? Especially given the time that it came out. Pretty much. And what was brilliant too was that they determined that this wasn't gonna be something that's gonna be, you know, firing every five minutes. You know, it burns itself out in the story after firing, so you're not gonna see it again. Right. And so at least when they used it in Zeta, there was the nice turnaround in that it was built by the the former good guys and then ends up being used against them. So I still feel like even though it was a retread, that it was creative enough that it made sense within yeah. the context of the story. But like you said, you go to that well yet again for Unicorn, and I mean there were enough things happening in Unicorn. I don't know that you really needed another iteration of the Colony Laser. <laughs> Too so, many things happened in Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that was the third, and then there is actually another Colony Laser in Crossbone Gundam. I don't think that one gets talked about very much, or really much happens with that one. So I think the overall point to take away here is that Colony Lasers are a thing in Gundam giant you know hollowed out colony shoots a big ass laser at you and you die it's a big laser it kills people you know what to do (laughs) there is one more from the one year war that i wanted to mention as an honorable mention i'm not sure i didn't actually know about this one so this one is called astaroth 
and it was part of one of the video games, Mobile Suit Gundam Side Story 0079, Rise from the Ashes. So this is one of the games of that the White Dingo team are in. And it is a bioweapon. <laughs> and wait till you... <laughs> Again, Isaac and I never played very many of the Gundam games. So, But listen to this description, and you tell me if this is for sure something that don't, would only be in a video game. According to the wiki, Astaroth was a bioweapon, which I guess should have been banned already, but um, <laughs> it was developed by... <laughs> <laughs> by Xeon, that accelerated and encouraged the proliferation of plant growth at extremely high levels. It was a weapon of slow, irreversible destruction that was designed with the objective of transforming the Earth into a giant, uninhabitable forest. This, <laughs> this is the dumbest weapon I have ever heard. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me let me defend it. All so, right. So Why? <laughs> The only sure. thing I could think of here is now, granted, this is a, a bioweapon, so I would think that it should be banned under the Antarctic Treaty. However, yeah. I wonder if the Antarctic Treaty was maybe only banning biological or chemical weapons used against humans. If this one but just that, creates a forest, is that a creative way to get around the ban on the Antarctic Treaty? I mean, possibly. You know, maybe Zeon's. You know, mental and legal gymnastics were that, oh, it's actually not a weapon. This is like, you know, a plant advancing <laughs> growth formula or something. I, <laughs> maybe that was their argument. But at the same time, this isn't so much a weapon, though. Even if it does speed up plant growth, that doesn't make the world uninhabitable. That might actually help certain ecosystems, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I would think as long as it's, uh, you know... A, a, a decent form of tree, right? I don't know. I guess maybe it affects all trees. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I would think that the earth at this point in the universal century has been just ravaged by colony drops. You know, uh, yeah. the climate is terrible. <laughs> it probably could use some more trees. So the federation, right. yeah, the, the federation learned of this. They might like request it from Zeon. <laughs> oh yes. Could you, <laughs> could we get more of that? We'll, we'll buy it from you. But yeah, I, no worries though because the uh, the white dingo team destroyed the virus sample, so we're good. Now we have that B team running around, stomping <laughs> out these little these tiny embers while a roaring wildfire rages on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> well, they they needed those GM sniper twos to take out this 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 uh, <laughs> weed maker. <laughs> have to stop the uh, the four Zaku ones protecting the bioweapon lab. <laughs> oh. Any more super weapons you wanted to mention before we head to later UC? Um, none, none that I want to discuss that had to deal with this time period up through from double seventy nine to a double zeta. So there was I was going to give an honorable mention to the Opsilus, just because oh, it seemed like it had a really big cannon, but I didn't really know where to draw the line between what's just a normal mobile armor and what's one that could be construed as a super weapon. I don't That's know. true. It rivaled or was bigger than the Big Zom, and they both had Mega Particle Cannons, I believe. Yeah, if it's as an honorable mention, but again, technically it's it's just a mobile armor. Yeah, it's just a mobile <laughs> armor with a big gun. So yeah, I mean, the Valvaro has a big gun too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the next one you want to talk about? The next one I want to talk about, and Brian, you can you can pump the brakes if you want and say that's not a super weapon, Isaac. Is the bugs? from Gundam F91. If you recall, the bugs were a weapon created by the Crossbone Vanguard 
mainly by Corozo Rona, Iron Mask, to wipe out the colonies, or at least wipe out anybody that I guess would be deemed an enemy of uh, Cosmo Babylonia. The bugs came in sort of two forms, two sizes. There was a large, almost mobile suit size form, maybe even a little bigger, that was just a massive spinning, you know, buzzsaw type circular purple blade looking machine. And that would deploy smaller bugs that were um, almost dinner plate size, car, car tire size, something like that. And those were designed to uh, actually hunt down humans that were hiding in the bunkers inside colonies. So their size gave them an advantage and they could fly and fit in very small places. When they'd find people, they'd detonate. It's very effective, very terrifying when we see it in use in uh, Gundam F91 towards the end. To an extent, it's not so much a superweapon as it is, I guess, an automated atrocity, <laughs> an <laughs> automated genocide. But at the same time, I felt like it, at the very least, deserved an honorable mention since this is designed to kill, kill a large number of people, and it's a weapon. Ergo, it's a superweapon. Oh, I think that absolutely qualifies as a superweapon. Okay. And wow, Great. it's been a long time since I thought about the bugs from Gundam F91. <laughs> that one did Maybe. not even occur to me, yeah. but you're you're absolutely right. That's totally a superweapon for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering though, like, it seemed like there were limits to their use. Like, you almost had to secure the area you were going to use them on, and then you can deploy them. You know, like if a if a Federation fleet showed up, they couldn't throw a bunch of bugs at them. I think the fleet would have been largely okay or you know have acceptable losses fighting the bugs yeah but i mean yeah. just in general their goal is to in- inflict massive casualties right so i, th- I think that qualifies as a, a as a super weapon it would give them the benefits of nuclear weapons biological weapons without i guess the you know the nasty side effects so to speak there wouldn't be any radiation there wouldn't be any lingering chemicals but they would have killed anybody that wasn't really part of cosmo babylonia or anybody that was resisting Oh, that's terrifying, especially with the name The Bug. Yeah, I, I thought that's such a weird name. I mean, it doesn't really go along with, you know, Crossbone Vanguard at all. Maybe they called it, like, I don't know, Skullcatcher, I don't know, something like that. It would have made more sense because, you know, a, a crossboner, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for those crossboners. Yeah, here they come. <laughs> well, going to get inside the colony. <laughs> you know what they remind me of are the plumas from Iron-Blooded Orphans. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they have the same mission, like seek out humans and destroy them. Yeah, same color almost, too. Yeah. yeah. And the plumas even look like bugs. The bugs don't, but they're called bugs. <laughs> uh, Carrozo Rona was a troubled man. <laughs> <laughs> that might be underselling it a bit. Yeah. I mean, he wore an iron mask for almost no... Well, because of difficulties with his wife, so... <laughs> There's a lot going on upstairs in that guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Not now, honey. I have to work on my weapon. <laughs> All right, the bugs. That's a good one. I didn't even think yeah. of that one. I figured it was worth a mention at least, you know. Let's pull the audience. Do you think the bugs from F91 are a super weapon or not? Comment below. I vote yes. Yeah, I vote yes, too. But you know what? If you don't think so, I want to hear from you. <laughs> I want to hear your argument. Type it out. Flash reply. <laughs> And give us your version of what happened between Iron Mask <laughs> and his <Yeah>. wife. <laughs> what drove a man to put on an Iron Mask for, dare I say, years of his life <laughs> and then build a, a, a swarm of automated killing machines? <laughs> All right. The next one I have on my list is the Keyless Guiley from Victory Gundam. What do you remember about the Keyless Guiley, Isaac? You know, <laughs> it's 
it's been so long since I've quickly went through a a poor quality subbed version of Victory Gundam. But if I remember this, it's a glorified particle cannon. All right. You know how we have those particle cannons here on Earth that they use for research and physics and all that? Well, the Zanskar Empire decided to turn one into a weapon. <laughs> and they put it in space. And I think the plan was they were going to bombard Earth. But um, Yeah, it's, it's basically a satellite yeah, cannon yeah. that they would use to, to shoot Earth. Yeah. But I don't think they get that far <laughs> because the heroes managed to wisely in a big reversal i guess this doesn't happen that often in gundam they steal the weapon and they turn it against the bad guys <laughs> they do yet again <laughs> similar to the star- <laughs> imagine star wars if like the rebels actually like the, the the plan wasn't so much to like do an attack run on the death star but just to to hijack the death star and then take it to coruscant and blow the planet up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what hijacking the death star star killer base or whatever they called it yeah. in episode nine would have been a better plot than whatever happened in episode nine. <laughs> you got me there. Oh, episode nine was, well, there was no episode nine. There was no star killer base in episode nine. Well, no, but they had, they had the mobile ones on the, on the star destroyers. So oh, had the, yeah. had, had that, the, Oh geez. Had the rebel or had the, whatever they're called these days, the, the, uh, resistance had the resistance commandeered some of those mobile ones and actually fired it at the the, yeah, the new planet. empire yeah that would i think that would have been cool that sounds like a way more awesome story damn <laughs> oh god what a wasted opportunity <laughs> anyway back to gundam <laughs> back to gundam the keyless geely the thing i found the most interesting about that was not actually how it was shown in victory gundam but there's a note in the wiki that says it was actually mentioned in turn a gundam and oh. apparently it was used in Turning Gundam to, like, shoot the Earth, shoot the Turning Gundam. And it's controlled, according to the wiki, by the Turn X. Wow. So yet another link between, you know, Turn A and Universal Century, which is pretty neat. That's interesting. So that meant that far in the future, they either kept this weapon, rebuilt it exactly, and then decided that it should be remotely controlled by something far more advanced. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just hanging around up there still, and they decided to use it. But um, What I like about it, I mean, its appearance is kind of, I don't know, I would say it's bizarre, abstract. But I like that two of the Zanskar battleships can dock on it. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I definitely agree about the appearance. It's definitely yeah. a, a late UC design. Like, it goes well with that late UC aesthetic where things maybe look a little more organic-y. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure it's very Zanscary, though. There's, They seem to go for like a lot of insect-looking mobile suits. But, um, well, maybe it does, actually. Because it could look like, kind of like a beehive, I guess, or a wasp nest from a certain point of view. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely seems very insect-y to me, very Giver-ish. It's villainous, to say the least. But even though it looks like that, you know who it's designed by? It's designed by Hajime Kotoki, the guy who designed, like he redesigned a lot of the uh, the suits for model kits for Master Grade uh, in the, like the 2000s. Um, so I feel like he's I feel like he's most closely associated with like real looking designs. Um, but the keyless Geely is you know it's pretty cool seeing seeing what he can do with a a more like techno organic-y design. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, interesting. Reminds me of that mass driver cannon we heard about that the the marzion would build kind of right oh yeah the one where they wanted <laughs> to shoot things at earth yeah but 
<laughs> logically, they'll only have like a limited window throughout the year to actually shoot towards Earth, and then even then, the Federation has months, if not weeks, to uh <laughs> to to figure out the trajectory and respond appropriately. <laughs> Maybe not the best plan. Well, Brian, what comes after Keyless Geely? What comes after Keyless Geely is perhaps my favorite super weapon. I know, and that is. <laughs> Angel Halo, also from Victory Gundam. And Angel Halo is described as a Saikamu Fortress, which was, again, this is another weapon built by the Zanscare Empire, the antagonists of Victory Gundam. And uh, if if the solar ray was Zeon's you know, Death Star, this is Zanscare's Death Star, uh, except it's like a much more hard sci-fi use of the new type concept applied to a super weapon and it's basically this like concentric ring structure i think there's six rings and it has a little control ship in the center and in the rings are just hundreds or thousands of like captive new types called psychicers that the person in the middle control ship is controlling and that it's it's harnessing the power of all of their psycho waves and those psycho waves are then used to cause the mind of you know any human or opponent in the vicinity to just kind of shut down or revert to like a childlike state which and then basically once the person goes to sleep they just never wake up and they eventually die and so the the whole the whole plot was that they would fly this close and and clear out the earth by shutting everyone's mind down that's pretty cool I think that's taking the new type concept to the absolute limit as far as a weapon goes. What do you think about Angel Halo, Isaac? I agree with you on that extent. It's it's a mind weapon. There's no flashy explosion. There's no you know melting of cities or whatever. It just attacks the mind of any living thing. And that's... A bit abstract, but also a whole different level of scariness. I've heard the Zanscare Empire described as the epitome of evil in maybe not all of Gundam franchises, but um, in the Universal Century. This kind of definitely is the uh, the anchor to that argument. Man, it it was designed to wipe out all life on Earth. Well, all sentient life on Earth. Let me just say that. So. God, what a devastating weapon. It would work on all living things, I read. All living things that had brains. That means yeah. animals. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, Isaac is very broken up about, you know, what's going to happen to the squirrels and and the, <laughs> and the dogs. The, the cats. The cats are my yeah. concern. But uh, let me let me... <laughs> Let me just throw in a let me let me throw in some Xeon propaganda. Say what you will about Xeon, but we weren't going around killing animals, right? <laughs> we were shutting off animals' brains and making them regress into their childlike or you know baby or puppy or kitten-like you know, original cells. <laughs> yep, that's where Gear and Zabi drew the line. Cats. Yeah, so he'll cook his own father, but he's not gonna kill every living animal on Earth. Even he has limits. Yeah. Yeah, this thing is just terrifying. And as you can imagine, the only way to really defeat this thing would be to somehow you know, convince the person controlling it to kind of stop. And um, that's pretty much what they do in Victory Gundam. So that kind of worked out. That's what makes this thing cool to me, is that there's really no defense against it. I mean, I guess you could attack it with like AI or something that you know doesn't have a brain. I guess that would that would be a thing. But if you're if you're a human, 
you really just can't get close to it because it'll just shut your mind off and you die. Yeah. I mean, do you know the ranges? Like, I mean, could us could could capital ships be able to fire beam weapons or by that point they're just too close? Actually, that would be it's, useless, right? Because it's protected by a Zanscare fleet. So yeah. that yeah, that fleet must have there. been not. Yeah. Yeah, it won't go out there unprotected. I mean, it doesn't have any like guns on it. I don't think. But um, but yeah, I mean, I assume it will be escorted by the fleet. So, so whoever's controlling it can clearly determine who to use it on, right? I mean, the fleet protecting them isn't going to be affected. They're shielded, I guess, or they're just not targeted by the system. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think you would just be, you know, not targeted by the the person who's controlling it. I wonder if how that made the fleet that was protecting it feel like. <laughs> At yeah. any moment, this person could like have a negative thought about you and then just regress your brain. <laughs> <laughs> One interesting thing that I found about Angel Halo, you know, looking it up again after all these years, is they have somewhat expanded on Angel Halo a little bit. Um, not really using it again, but apparently it was revealed in one of the later... So maybe our readers aren't familiar, but there's a, a series of manga that take place after Gundam F91 called Mobile Suit Gundam or Mobile Suit uh, like Crossbone Gundam, and there's been uh, various iterations and sequels about Crossbone Gundam. There's been Crossbone Gundam, Crossbone Gundam like Skullheart, Crossbone Gundam Ghost, Crossbone Gundam Ghost Dust or something like that. Um, and one of the wow. newest ones, which I think is uh, Ghost and, and Ghost Dust, it is revealed that. Like the early plan for Angel Halo is once Angel Halo had sort of shut down everyone on Earth, that they found an extraterrestrial pathogen called Angel Call or Angel's Call uh, that they would then release uh, on Earth to eliminate humanity. And that pathogen basically turns everyone to like black goo, which is pretty disgusting, or black liquid. Um, so, <laughs> again, this manga is only in Japanese. I'm not sure if anyone out there is scanlating it, but. Um, Pretty cool. I don't know. Something to think about. It's only one of the three instances of extraterrestrial life of some nature being in a Gundam series. So the other the other two being the space whale from Gundam Seed, which uh, definitely a high point in that series, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and our our favorite extraterrestrials from the Gundam Double O movie, which oh is you know definitely one of Isaac and I's favorites. You know this is an instance of extraterrestrial life in. And you see, now granted, it's a, a pathogen, not not a sentient being, which I think is probably a good move. <laughs> it's it's still bad though. It still shouldn't have been included. It doesn't make a lot of sense because they're using this bioweapon on corpses. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, maybe I they mean, just wanted them to die quicker. <laughs> also, it, it's like a useless bioweapon too. It just turns them into black goo. Like, what do you think a dead body turns into <laughs> if you like don't touch it for you know weeks if not months? It's gonna yeah. just decompose. Yeah. That's fair. This is right up there with what was it, the Xeon weapon? Astaroth? Astaroth, yeah. <laughs> Astaroth. <laughs> It'll make your greens greener. <laughs> this yeah, will make think... your, your corpses grayer. <laughs> yeah, so Angel's Call, you know, would qualify, I suppose, as its own super weapon, as a as a bioweapon alongside Angel Halo. But just for the fact that it was a bioweapon on a global scale, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. But at the same time, I'm glad it wasn't included, or if it is technically included in the canon, I'm glad it's not addressed very much at all. It, it's the G-savior of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> the manga that it's in, uh, Crossbone Gundam Ghost, uh, just ended in 2016. So it's wow. pretty recent. Pretty recent ad. You know so, what? Crossbone Gundam is like so successful as a manga... 
can we see it <laughs> as an anime? Why not? That's an interesting question. So someone I was reading somewhere, someone was saying that Tamino owns the rights to Crossbone Gundam, like basically Sunrise Bandai. They they can't just outright make an adaptation without you know his blessing. So I'm not sure if that would ever happen. I'm not sure one if he would let them. I would imagine he would let them, but I'm not really sure. No one really knows like the rights situations. I would imagine like the exact right situations, for example, because they're, you know, they're obviously making Hathaway's flash, but I don't know that maybe, maybe he already sold Hathaway's flash to them a long time ago. I'm not sure what the case is on Crossbone Gundam. Cause I agree. It has really cool designs or at least designs that would be fun and, and definitely marketable from, you know, like a model perspective and anime perspective. But yeah. We've never really seen it. So I don't know, maybe if Hathaway's flash goes well and they look to the future you know, for that next 100 project, maybe we will get a crossbone Gundam. That seems like a good area to go. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And if they play their cards right, I know in one crossbone uh, manga, the enemy is, you know, Jupiter Empire, Jupiter Republic, whatever they call themselves nowadays. So if they're keeping with that story, oh, spoiler alert, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, (laughs) If they're keeping with that story, they'll ultimately reveal that Jupiter has been behind every attempt to overthrow the Earth Federation, more or less. So they're, they've been the puppet masters behind the, the strings. I'm not sure if that's a wise decision, if that'll somehow take away a lot from, you know, Xeon's story, Mineva, Char, Full Frontal, Zanscare, and Crossbone Vanguard itself, or if that's something that would propel the series towards... You know, I guess it's, it's next evolution for whatever next stories they have. Who knows where it could lead? So I don't know, but I'd be happy to see it. I say bring it on. Do it. They've mined a lot out of the first, out of that, you know, period from 0079 through UC 100 or so. So let's see what we can get out of the out of the, the next century. People love Crossbone Gundam design, so people love pirates. I'll say it's actually it, it, it's a little campy. It's bordering on maybe too much campiness, just how the, how it looks. <laughs> but um, <laughs> man, is its capital ship awesome? It has like beam sails, doesn't it? <laughs> it I, if I think you're right, if I, it's been a while since I've looked up that ship, <laughs> this manga has not been translated. You you can't you know go buy Crossbone Gundam in the United States. So the only way to really read it is through some scans. And uh, I think I have Crossbone Gundam laying around. So maybe we'll read it and um, talk about it. That could be fun. Yeah, why not? We'll we'll find some, some fan translation and then uh, <laughs> read it and decide what we think about it. Um, do you have any other uh, Super Weapons, Isaac? I'm pretty sure Angel Halo is the apex of Universal Century Super Weapons. That's about it. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> not, not this. Despite, not I don't know the, why they didn't put a super weapon in G Savior. They certainly had the budget. <laughs> Maybe we'll do this. What would your super weapon be for Universal Century? Ooh. I think how would you top the Solar Ray or you know Angel Halo? Wow, wow, that's a big question, Brian. Normally, I'd like more time to plan my super weapon concepts, <laughs> <laughs> but off the top of my head. I feel like something we haven't seen in a while or maybe have never seen that might be interesting would be um, some type of anti-moon weapon, I feel like. I feel mm-hmm. like it, maybe Zeon <laughs> has been going about... Well, not Zeon, but okay, any anti-Federation force has been going about attacking Earth wrong. 
you know, dropping stuff on the earth isn't necessarily what you have to do to disrupt or destroy the earth. If you get rid of the moon, the earth loses its rotational stability, right? And it just starts kind of rotating wibbly wobbly anyway. Seasons get out of whack. You know, north does not become north. The equator moves. The moon needs to be there anchored in position to give tides their regularity. With the moon gone, with the moon destroyed, the Federation will fall. <laughs> Thoughts, Brian? <laughs> that is an interesting, interesting thought. There's certainly less defense around the moon than there is the Earth. Maybe they don't have to destroy the whole moon, but if they just modified the mass of the moon to a significant degree, that would certainly you know, negatively impact Earth. Um, so yeah, we definitely haven't seen that. I'd there say was we a that sucker. <laughs> Who needs the moon? <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do for mine. Probably um, something involving nanotech. Any weapon that uses nanotech is uh, is cool to me. So maybe like a new type controlled nano machine. I think that'd be a neat. Gray goo. Yeah, a yeah new definitely type gray, gray goo. goo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It eats I colonies guess. and turns them into more gray goo. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of hard, though, because then, you know, I feel like you're really headed down, like, a hard sci-fi path at that point. And how do you fight that with mobile suits? Well, you know, the villain... I mean, clearly this is something used by the evil Gundam in the series, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what we call that evil Gundam? Hmm. Grey Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out. And it's like, it's like a... It looks like a grey Gundam, right? But, yeah. like, it's like... It can turn kind of slimy as, like, its nanos, like, change into different weapons and stuff, you know? Like, it yeah. gets, like, eight tentacles or, like, I don't know, its arm yeah. turns into, like, an axe, things yeah. like that. It's really easy to go overboard in that scenario, though, right? Like, what if the great, what if the Gundam took over uh, a colony and it, like, assimilated it, right? Because it's basically, like, the phalanx from X-Men. Yeah. And then he could, the Gundam could assimilate the colony and then turn the colony into a Gundam. So, you oh, know, that's like, the final battle. Oh, that's, of course. That's, that's yeah. what's going to happen. It's going to be like, um, you remember the, the Devil Gundam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's essentially going to be a replay of that, but like a more serious tone. Yeah. And how are they going to kill it? They're going to use, they're going to bust out the Grips 3 laser. They're going to have rebuilt it again. <laughs> Grips 4. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to aim it at that sucker and fire away. No, no, no. They're going to use like a super weapon, uh, like McGangbang or something like that. <laughs> they're going to have a solar system with like, you know. By this point, like five million mirrors, <laughs> next to a uh, next to a solar ray, next to a <laughs> next to a grips four, and then they're just gonna blow it away. Yeah, and then you know they'll they'll deposit some Astaroth on it just in case. And, and maybe Dilmon Kasha will be there to to show us that the uh, the real weapon is the power of love. <laughs> That's right. That's how you slay Grey Goo. <laughs> would, would it be Zeon doing this, or like would this be like some? No, this has to be like far in the future. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is like yeah. post Gaia or something like that. Yeah. This. This. Yeah. This has to be like after Reconquista. You know, maybe if you yeah, want to yeah. consider Gaia gear in there, it's got to be after that for sure. This is, this is some turn A type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the scale. transition. Yeah. Maybe this oh. is the transition. Yeah. I was about to say, do we include turn A? But. No, not yet. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll save that. We'll save Turn A Gundam and Turn X that's a, for. That's a big debate. Technically, you could put Turn A in every timeline. Yeah, could for sure. We shall hold yeah. on. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed our episode about Universal Century super weapons. Please leave a comment and tell us what your favorite super weapon is. 
from Universal Century or from any other uh, timeline. We will presumably, Isaac, do a episode at some point about super weapons in other timelines. We definitely um, will for the non-UC. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Colony Drop. Maybe the Grey Gundam will drop by. You never know. <laughs>